Rabbit 7. At this point in the narrative, it becomes important for me to explain why anybody in his right mind would think going into a cabin in the middle of the woods was a good idea. I don't care when you was born. 19th century, 20th century, 120th century. Accepting an invitation into a cabin in the woods from a creepy old man was about as smart as taking a pine cone and shoving it up your own ass. Even if he offered you soup. Not that there's not a market for that. The pine cone in the ass, not the soup. But look, in a lot of ways... Sometimes a creepy old man is just a creepy old man, nothing else. Creepiness ain't a bellwether for psychopathic behavior, by the way. It just means someone's a little weird, socially maladjusted. And social maladjustment is a battle cry of homo sapiens. It's so tangled up in our DNA, we might as well add it to high school biology textbooks. Because only a species with severe social maladjustment issues would do the kind of things human beings do to one another. Like murder and torture and stealing each other's babies and bombing entire races into the dust without an ounce of regret or remorse or repentance or contrition or censure or fear of castigation. So if the creep offered us soup, so much the better. Because after the morning I'd had, with the wild boars and the alligators and them things in the arena and the silver slicer chase, I was friggin' starving. You want some soup? Fuck yeah, I want some soup. The other guy, the top knot with the sprinter's lungs, he didn't look too sure. Neither did Wildcat, for that matter. And when I stood up and started limping for the front porch, she said, You really that stupid? No, I'm not really that stupid. I'm hungry. And I went inside. The old man's cabin was decorated predictable. Open floor plan, hearth on the left, living room stocked with cargo furniture in the middle, basement door to the right of the kitchen. The kitchen ran along the back wall. Fridge, sink, wood stove. A big, wide, bump-out window overlooked the dark forest beyond. Apparently, the old man liked wood, because other than the appliances, everything in the place was made out of hickory. Hickory ceiling, hickory walls, hickory floors, hickory furniture. I bet he even had a hickory toilet. Then there was the stuffed animal heads mounted over the fireplace. Nothing huge. A bunny, a raccoon, something I didn't recognize because the skull was all fucked up. I liked the antlers he screwed over the door. Oh, and the framed poster of a kitten hanging from a tree with the hang in there printed underneath it? Choice decision there, old man, choice. The old man himself was standing in the kitchen with his back to me, stirring a pot on the wood stove. Savory smells filled the air. Pepper, basil, oregano, cumin. Pretty soon Wildcat wandered in, followed by good old Top Knot. I guess they thought it was better to be inside than not inside, and since they didn't hear me screaming when I entered the house, they must have figured it was safe. Plus, soup. Maybe it was chili or Thai curry. Steam from the pot plumed as the old man stirred. Have a seat, have a seat, he said. My family will be here momently. You mean, like, moment by moment or soon? He considered this, stopped stirring, seemed to think. Then he said, yes. Makes sense. They're so slow sometimes. The old bones creak, the dirt in the joints. Man, you're not kidding, I said, limping over to the table. Ever since I hit 20, it's like, whoa. Wildcat and Top Knot joined me, staring all around them. The place felt homey enough, I guess, but Wildcat looked like she didn't trust none of that shit. I ain't never seen her more jumpier, twitching at every little sound, eyes like flies. The old man banged something around on the stove, and she nearly leaped straight up in the air like a cartoon. I half expected to end up upside down, claws puncturing the ceiling. She didn't do that, though, because of physics. But she did throw him a look like she wanted to rip his head off. I gotta say, I didn't feel the same way. I was tired and wounded and my friggin' knees hot. 
So when I pulled out one of them chairs and eased myself down, I groaned with relief. Ugh. No offense, mister, I said, stretching out my leg in front of me. But them slices did a number on all three of us. You got any band-aids? A whiskey? I checked the wound in my side, prodded around the edges of the barn, picked out a few little chunks, hurt like a son of a bitch. My official diagnosis was this. It was fucked. The old man didn't respond to nothing. Just stirred the pot, stirred the pot. Wildcat and me traded glances. Wildcat seeming to say, see, I told you. She splayed her palms on the table and leaned over it. Let's get out of here, she said. You didn't want to come in? Why'd you come in? I don't know. It's... Her hand trailed up to her shoulder, the one with the brand on it. Topknot shook his head, making a zipping noise with his mouth, and mimicked the slices going through the air with his hand. I'm all... Exactly, I said. Wildcat wasn't convinced. I'll take my chances, she said. The chair she was sitting in scraped across the floor when she got up, and the old man turned around and said, Any of you have any children? We stared around at each other. Okay, so that was a weird question to ask. What do kids have to do with anything? Who, me? I asked. No, I don't. Or maybe I do. Who knows? I made sex with a lot of women. The old man seemed to chuckle, and I didn't blame him. I'm a funny fucking guy. Or maybe he was laughing at the idea of me being a father, which was unsurprising. I'd be as good with kids as I'd be with nuclear engineering, with similar results. Children are a blessing, the old man said. You'd be wise to have some of your own. You ever hang around me for more than a minute? No doubt you're a strange man. A very strange man. But no man is so strange that his old child won't change him. I've seen it happen before. Brutal men, irresponsible men, drunk men, all of them transformed into rational, loving human beings. All because of one thing. A child. Yeah? And I see me plenty opposite, too. Rational dudes, happy dudes, loving dudes, all turned into stone-cold bastards because the coups they was with trapped them with a baby. Babies ain't nothing more than money-draining shit factories. Then they grow up and turn into assholes. I know this because I was one of them once. A baby, not an asshole. Wait, no, actually, I was both. The old man turned back to his pot to stir his soup. Must have been his favorite thing in the world, that stirring. What is that, beef? I asked. Life in the forest isn't easy, the old man said. It requires muscle, fortitude, and moral fiber. It takes weeks to clear the trees, chum the stumps, months to cultivate the soil. Okay, let's talk about this now. The early years were difficult. We starved. Yeah, well, you tried to plant crops in the middle of the forest. That don't sound like too smart an idea. My wife, that bitch. Whoa, whoa, dude. We'll have children, she said. Big strapping boys, girls with wide hips and strong backs. They'll help us, help us clear the trees, sow the seeds. Pa! The old man spit on the hardwood. Didn't you just say the kids were the best thing that ever happened to you? They turned against me. Yeah, that's what I said. Hey, you wouldn't happen to have lived in the city at one point, did you? The old man chuckled, a harsh chuffing sound. <laughs> like you wouldn't happen to have known someone named, uh, Mrs. Feldman? We used to call her the widow Mrs. Feldman on account of the fact that her husband was dead? The old man finally stopped stirring and, leaving the spoon in the pot, he turned and looked at us again. How'd you think I ended up stuck in this hellhole? He said. Then he turned back around and resumed his stirring. Holy shit! You're the widow Mrs. Feldman's husband! You're Mr. Feldman, but you're not dead. He didn't say nothing. Oh, man, guys, you don't even know how amazing this is. 
the widow Mrs. Feldman, she was this crazy old bat who lived on my street. Like, she was a real witch, warts and all. Wore a black wool skirt, even in the summer. Had a, uh, a cat. Called a demon, I think. Wildcat had gone pale. Yeah, I know what you're thinking, I said. And I don't blame you. But how do you think old Mr. Feldman feels? That poor guy had to sleep with her. How disgusting is that? Hey, Mr. Feldman, how'd it feel to have to do it with such a revolting old wench? He didn't respond. Yeah, that's what I thought. I'd go mute, too. Wildcat? She got progressively whiter and whiter. She swayed and sat down hard, and when Topknot put his hand on her shoulder to steady her, she didn't freak out like she normally done when anybody touched her. She just closed her eyes. Hey, Mr. Feldman, if you was out here, you know, farming in the middle of the woods with your kids, why is the widow Mrs. Feldman living in a brownstone in the city? And why she call herself a widow? The old man slammed the spoon down hard on the stove and leaned on the corner, like he'd finally had enough of my mouth. I'd seen that reaction before. This fact should not surprise nobody. Then he turned around and raised his chin, revealing the thick white slug of a scar running ragged across his throat, from one side of his spine to the other. He said, slicing left and right with his finger. Oh, shit. Friggin' Wildcat was right. Time to skedaddle. I got to my feet, wincing. Listen, uh, thanks for the hospitality and all. The electric force field, the nice soup. Is that chili? Because it smells like chili. No? So, yeah, but uh, you're making Wildcat real uncomfortable-like, and, uh, you can't leave yet. My children are coming. No offense, old man, but fuck you and fuck your kids. You could say that. You could say that, he said. And without another word, he turned and walked over to the basement door, opened it up, went inside, and closed it behind him. We heard a bolt click, one, two, three of them, then his footsteps slowly descending down, down, down into the basement. The fuck, I said. Topknot went over to the pot and took the lid off. Cock, he said, looking up at us. Cock, what's that, Cox? Jesus. Something caught his attention in the window over the stove, and he leaned forward and peered outside. Oh, he turned to face us. Mimic. When we didn't respond, he said it again only more urgently. Mimic, mimic. So? He started to stagger around, rolling his eyes in the back of his head and moaning. I ain't got no idea what you're talking about. He jabbed his finger out the window, so I ran up to the window to get a look. You ever do something and immediately wish you ain't done it? That's how I felt right then, because out there in the woods stood hundreds of dead people. And judging from the gray sweatsuits and trainers they was wearing, they was recruits, or former recruits. And judging by the torn up stomachs and sliced necks, not to mention the dark hollow eyes and the missing limbs, yeah, they was dead, like I said before. Something bobbed to the surface of the pot of red sauce I was leaning over, and I frowned down at it. It was a finger. Cleaned and skinned, but obviously a finger. I don't think old Mr. Feldman's been farming vegetables out here, I said. Whether or not we had experience fighting an army of the dead wasn't an issue, because really, it wasn't that difficult to figure out what to do next. Well, maybe it was. Wildcat ran for the basement door while old Mr. Feldman disappeared and yanked on the handle. Open up, she screamed. She pounded on it a few more times, then backed up and started to kick the knob. Topknot joined her, stood to the side, and kicked the knob once, twice, three times. It bent, bent some more, and then shot off. And when the door didn't open, he just started kicking it, too, over and over. He managed to kick a nice-sized hole right through the middle of it, and then he stuck his hands through and started tearing it apart bit by bit. And ain't none of us was prepared for what we seen next. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, you numb cunts. You just opened the door to the monster cellar. And really, I'm with you on that one. It could have easily happened. 
The last chunk falls out and... Zombies flood out of the open and all rotten flesh and broken bones return to run and they swarm us. Or tentacles shoot out of the darkness, wrapping each one of us in them slimy plunges and pulling us back in. Or millions of rats fall out like a wall. Fucking rats. Predictable swarming slash eating ensues. Or nothing at first. We all just stand there, staring into the void, waiting. Then a stench blows out of the blackness. And that's when we see the door as a mouth filled with stumps of broken teeth. It crunches down through the frame and sucks us all in. Or three kittens sit doing that thing where they lick their paws and clean their ears. Cute little fuckers, them. Topknot leans over to pick one up, and a huge cat claw flies out of the back and impales him. Or a single butterfly flutters in the opening. Topknot, he ain't stupid. He won't be fooled twice, so he tries to back away. But the butterfly flies into his mouth, and he swallows it down. Seconds later, it erupts out of his body, 50 times its original size. It impales Wildcat with that tube-like tongue. Or a fat, pulsing sack of pus throbs in the frame, black and shiny, shot through with dark red veins. It swells and explodes, covering us all in triple-rectified acid pus. We melt to the bone, screaming. Then the bone melts, too. You know, just to rub it in. Fortunately for us, none of that happened. You want to know what did happen? The exact opposite. He tore the door apart, and there stood another door. Topknot grabbed the knob to that one, and it was unlocked. And when he ripped it open, another door blocked away. This one made out of metal, where the handle made it look like a triple spiral. The lock didn't look like no lock I'd never seen. Anticlimactic, I know, until you consider the fact that old Mr. Fellman just went through it a few minutes before, and unless the laws of physics was different here than anywhere else in the universe, there was no way he could have built three doors all at once. They're on the front porch, Wildcat said. She was crouched down at the sill at the front of the house, peeking out from behind the window treatment. Yeah, old Mr. Feldman had window treatments. Topknot, standing on the other side of the stone hearth, snatched at my sleeve. I looked at him, and he pointed up. Me and Wildcat joined him, and sure enough, there it was. A staircase leading up to the second floor. A second floor where there wasn't no second floor before. You go first, I said, giving him a little shove. He frowned at me, then at my hands, like he was contemplating cutting them off. Sorry, I said. He shook his head and started up the steps. And when he got to the top, he turned around and waved us on. Tanatia, he said. I guess that meant light, because when we got up there, that's all we seen. A light at the end of a long hallway. Topknot jogged down, and what the hell, we followed. The hall was dark, and there was doors on either side, all of them shut tight and locked up. Wildcat kept trying to open them. But on the third one, she yelled, motherfucker, instead of kicking it, but nothing happened. It's all probably just bricks anyway, I said, which didn't make her feel any better. Top Knot made it to the end of the hall and stopped. Zonlatia, he said, pointing down. He disappeared down another set of stairs, and then I heard him bark out something that sounded like a cuss word. Wildcat and I followed him, and then we seen why he was so upset. The steps brought us right back down into the living room again, standing on the other side of that stone hearth, looking up the same staircase that led to the hall we just run through. Turned around, there was the stairs. Looked up in front of us, there was the stairs. Topknot ran back up again. A few seconds later, we heard his footsteps, and then he showed up on the steps behind us. It was a loop. Great. Fists punched through the front windows. More pounded on the door. One of the dead thrust its head and torso through the open frame, impaling its neck on a shot of glass, and I recognized who it used to be. Adi. His face was all torn up, but it was Adi, all right. The things behind him pushed forward crushing his hips against the house. The door cracked, followed by the jam, and then it fell apart and the dead poured in. They swarmed the furniture, reaching for us. And I recognized all of them. 
the dude who ruptured his Achilles in the second week of hell. Good old fuck you, his head inexpertly reattached to his body. A half a dozen plex, and another, and another, and another, hundreds of them, goons, goombas, and brown people all dead. Cold cuts, that's what Zoot meant. Cold cuts is zombies. There wasn't no place else to go, so we did what anybody else would have done. We ran back up the stairs. Them zombies wasn't fooled, though. Good thing they didn't know how to use them. Stairs, that is. The ones in front tripped and fell, but that didn't confront their friends none, because their friends used them as a handicap and trampled over them and up to the next step, where they promptly fell, and the ones behind them used their bodies as a handicap and up and up and up. Not the most efficient way of climbing stairs. I've seen old diabetics better at achieving that particular goal. But if you got yourself a somewhat inexhaustible store of meat to use as your own personal stepping stool, why not? We're fucked, I said. We're fucked, and I didn't even get to eat none of that soup. Fuck this place. Fuck this whole thing. BG lied to me. Wildcat didn't seem to hear me. She seemed to be thinking. Then she pulled that bone key out of her pocket and stared at it for a second. Then she looked behind her, thinking again. And without a word, she ran off. The dead came on, crested the top, and tumbled into the hallway. The ones in the lead stumbled forward, reaching and moaning. Nothing left for me and Top not to do but back away. Not like it had helped. We just end up back where we was to begin with. Downstairs, in the living room, with the zombies. Maybe they'd be impressed with our sudden appearance. At least shocked enough to give us a second to make a run for the exit. But probably not. They didn't seem like the white-knuckle type. So we backed to the other end of the hall, and the dead followed. And we backed down the stairs, and the dead followed. They made it to the edge and teetered there. Wildcat was busy with the basement door, trying to shove that bone key into the lock. The fuck are you doing? I yelled. Shut up. Is that what that fucking key is for? I said shut the fuck up. She twisted it, turned it, but nothing happened. The dead pressed in closer and closer, and I thought, great. This is how I buy the farm. Torn a bitch by a bunch of assholes who couldn't even make it through basic training. Anytime now would be nice, I said. Wildcat kept turning the key, turning the key, and all of a sudden it slipped all the way in. Thunk sounded from the other side, like a vast mechanism had been spurred into action. And then the door flew open, and a black form tumbled out and fell face first onto the floor. Oh, praise the goddess, it said, and started to weep, big, back-heaving sobs. Fuck's sake, I thought. That wool skirt, that frizzy black hair, and that smell, salami mingled with garlic and cigar smoke. Is that the widow Miss Feldman? I said. As if to answer, her cat demon came yowling out of the door. He took one look at the zombies about to collapse upon the old woman and, you're not going to believe this, but he transformed into a, well, like a man cat, like a cat the size of a man. Only with fur and ears and claws like knives, it charged the zombies and laid them out flat, just demolished them, sliced off their heads, sliced off their arms, sliced off their legs. I never seen nothing so filled with rage. Carved a nice big circle out of them zombies. Enough to give us a little room to breathe. But it didn't last very long. Nothing like that could, right? And as fast as he transformed into something bigger, he shrank down into his old self again. And then he went over to the widow Miss Feldman, who was still lying there, sobbing, and licked her ear. Leave me alone! Leave me alone! She moaned. And finally, inevitably, and kind of sadly, the zombies teetering like puppets at the top of the stairs cascaded down toward us. Sounded like luggage. Topknot pushed me out of the way. Wildcat jumped the other, and the flesh wave poured down after. Man, did it stink. You ever walk into a closed room filled with a bunch of hungover teenage boys? I'll just leave that one there for you to smell. 
Didn't take long for them to recover. And the ones on the other side of the living room, those that had not yet climbed the stairs had gotten shredded by Demon's Claws, heard the commotion and slowly turned in our direction. The widow Miss Feldman stopped sobbing. She got to her knees and stared around her. The zombies in the lead moaned as one, reaching for us. Oh, no, you don't, the widow Miss Feldman said. She drew her fingers across their knees, saying, fft, fft. The legs cut in half and they toppled over. She turned and did the same to the ones coming at us from behind, catching them across the middle and cutting them in half. The ones behind them kept coming, though, trampling the fallen. The widow Miss Feldman was unimpressed. Oh, for fuck's sake, she moaned. She cupped her hands into a ball and muttered under her breath. A yellow sphere of energy formed between her fingers, growing larger and larger. The zombies were only five feet away, two feet. We huddled together back to back. Close your eyes, the widow Miss Feldman said. I don't know if them other guys did it, but I didn't. She held her hands over her head and hurled the ball of energy on the floor where it exploded in a sonic wave, sending rings of energy out into the horde, cutting them the ribbons. I left mine open, I said. She gave me an irritated glare. What did you idiots do? What did we do? What are you doing here? Demon wove through her legs, singing his song. Shut up, you filthy beast. You're lucky I didn't eat you while we were stuck in that. He meowed at her, then bit her on the leg. Ah, you little demon demon. The old lady looked around at the dead things at her feet and sighed. I told him. I told them and told him. Don't do it. You're sick. But did he listen? No. Demon meowed. Oh, sure. Blame me, will you? Wildcat said. You hear that? Hear what? She cocked her head. Listen, I don't hear, shh. And then I heard it. Far off at first, but getting closer by the second. The pop, pop, pop of gunfire. Then explosions, closer and closer, rattling the walls, shaking dust down from the cracks in the ceiling. Machine gun fire came next, then men shouting. And all of a sudden, in walked BG followed by Bruno, both of them holding Tommy guns. BG looked around at the mess, the blood and the bile, the body parts, and them zombies. They didn't just die because they got cut in two. Most of them was rolling around on the backs like turtles, but more than enough had recovered and was crawling toward us again, trailing their entrails like half-stomped slugs. Jesus, what a mess, BG said. A whole bunch of zoots and zoots came in after, and when they saw the crawlers, they loosed a hail of bullets unlike nothing I'd never seen before. And when it was all said and done, when the bullets was all used up, and when the dead was deader than before, BG looked at me through the smoke trailing up out of the barrel of his gun and said, I guess you figured out what he was up to, huh? Then he nodded at the widow, Miss Feldman. Hey, Mrs. Feldman, how's it going? Thank you, everybody, for listening this week. Don't forget to check out LilithFilm.com, JamesKnoll.net forward slash BG, and you can support this show for as little as $1 on Patreon.com, it's patreon.com forward slash mad tales. You guys rock. I'll see you next week.